Welcome into another episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight. I am your host, Blythe Burnley, and I'm happy to welcome in Christina Ryan. She's the EVP of Managed Service over at Redwood Logistics. And we're going to be talking about the software ecosphere sort of landscape. I don't know if ecosphere is like being the right phrase to, to use for this conversation, but you get what I'm saying. So Christina, welcome into the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I know that everybody kind of has a little bit of a story about how they, they got into logistics, but you're one of the rare few that like actually went to school for logistics and then has stayed in this crazy industry. So so give us a hint of what first drew you in to the world of logistics and what keeps you here. Okay. So interesting question. I feel like my story is um, maybe a had like I fell into it, not that it was a chosen path. Um, But when I was in college, uh, just like probably many people, I could not figure out what I wanted to do. (laughs) And I changed my major four times within a matter of three years. Um, So between engineering and then psychology and then finance, uh, finally got to my junior year and realized I just got to pick something. (laughs) And lo and behold, I kid you not, that I went through the manual and I looked at all the majors and I did all the math on like what credits I had and what credits I needed. And the fastest way to graduate was supply chain. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's how I picked my major. Um, I don't advise that, but in the grand scheme of things, I ended up really liking it. So it it has worked out well. Nice. I mean, yeah, I, I was reading through um, your LinkedIn profile and what really stood out to me is that you're a process nerd because I'm totally, a, you know, just a process junkie. I love finding out how how folks, you know, just decide on how to revamp a process. And since you're in charge of, of managed services, what does, I guess, sort of a day-to-day look like for you? Oh, big question. Um, and honestly, the answer is it depends. You know, I do love process and I love getting into like the nerdy details of things, but unfortunately my job has evolved and I don't get a lot of time to do that anymore. Um, So, you know, my day can range from, you know, problem solving for our clients, you know, unique challenges that come up um, that they're trying to solve to helping our sales team look for opportunities to continue to grow our business. Um, More recently, we've been getting really into Kaizen events and continuous improvement. So really taking a lens to how we can be more efficient, uh, more effective. And then the really fun part that I, to be honest, I don't get enough time to do is looking at ways we can be, um, we can enhance our technology capabilities, enhance our service offering, really that strategy to kind of grow our portfolio of services for our clients. Well, that, that's a, a great segue into my next question because Redwood, I, they provide so many different products and services and really a lot of them are, are, are SaaS-based now. Can you kind of give us that high-level overview of what some of those products do and, and, and how they function? Sure, yeah. So about, uh, I think we're coming up on maybe two years ago, we really kind of rebranded a lot of those products into a service that we called Logistics Provider as a Service or LPAS. And um, that has really been the quintessential kind of summary of everything that we can provide, right? And it it starts with having a logistics platform that allows our customers to connect to easily and efficiently and effectively and safely. And that's our Redwood Connect platform. So an integration platform between us, our customers, but also us and our carriers, 
other SaaS partners that we're leveraging for an end-to-end solution, as well as TMSs. Um, so it really starts there. And then working with our customers to define what solutions they're trying to um, or what problems they're trying to solve, we identify those solutions and services. So we have a broad range of different TMSs that we leverage. We have WMSs and our whole distribution network. We have our brokerage, we have reading APIs, we have implementation. So that list continues to grow and grow and grow, right? Which is really good. Um, and, and the whole point of that is so that we can be a service to our customers to solve many problems, not just one, right? So by leveraging different uh, technology, um, let's call them SaaS products, whether they are bolt-ons to your supply chain or the main uh, meat and potatoes of your supply chain, like a TMS, we've integrated all of those into our middleware platform, Redwood Connect, so that our customers have access to them. And depending on what problem they're trying to solve, those integrations, those uh, technologies are there and available to them. Uh, I think we're we're uh, we're kind of defining that as like a logistics store, right? Like you can go to the store and I need a tracking software and I need a TMS. And maybe sometimes I need a managed services partner to execute for me. I need labor augmentation. All of those things are now available to you once you connect with us. Is that and I think to, it, it does because I think that for uh, what stood out to me when I when I was watching a lot of the the Redwood interviews to prep for this is is you not only have the capabilities to provide those tools to users, but you have the ability to integrate with whatever tools that maybe shippers or your customers are already using, which I thought was interesting because it yep. feels like so much a supply chain is so siloed and isolated that it's kind of a combo approach with Redwood. Exactly. And look, you know, the technology in the supply chain industry is always evolving. And so if you don't keep up with that and we don't look at those new technology partners as truly partners to integrate with, then we're going to fall behind in not being able to offer those to our customers. So as new um, companies enter that market that are providing technology or SaaS products that we can connect into our platform, we can really diversify not only the services that we have, but also you know, expand the scope of solutions that we're providing our customers. And with a lot of um, the, the, the solutions that, that Redwood provides, or not a lot of them, but, but some key aspects uh, is that forecasting. And with, you know, the, I don't have to tell anybody in logistics over the last few years, it's just been a crazy pendulum swing from, from one side to the other. So how do you use technology to forecast when the last, I guess, few years have just been so volatile? Well, that's a really tough question because if anybody's out there that actually forecasted to actual relax, I would love to meet them. Right. <laughs> like if you had the crystal ball, that would be <laughs> We'd all be rich or at least the few of us that could. I know, I know. Um, but really it comes down to data, right? And the more data that you have and the more data that you can leverage, you can build data science and intelligence behind it. And our brokerage team has really been cornering the market on that within Redwood of leveraging not only their shipment data, but also market benchmark data, building in these algorithms within the system to better understand you know, what's happening in the freight market, how should freight be priced, are there weather events that are creating surges in demand or surges in capacity, and how can we be better prepared to support our customers? Now, with that said, there's a ton of data out there and a lot of different sources. Um, and, and even us in, internally, right? We've got multiple systems, multiple different business units within Redwood Logistics. And so that data can become very cumbersome to leverage. 
you know, we're, we're starting to explore more of that. How can we be more predictive with our data and leveraging it in a way that can be proactive to our customer base? But aggregating and then scrubbing that data really becomes the, like the task at hand because you can have all the data in the world, but if it, it is all jumbled and hard to, to aggregate in a way that can easily tell you what's happening, here's the trends over time, here's the, the KPIs that either you're hitting or you're missing, then what, what purpose is that data serving, right? It, it becomes more of like an extra expense than it does become a potential revenue generation. So the data science and the aggregation has really been a big topic for us over the last couple of years. And look, I, I wouldn't say we're perfect. We definitely have opportunities to continue to do more. Um, but how we are growing that is then, you know, enabling that data and the dashboarding and the visibility for our customers on the back end. Um, I would love for us to get to a point where we can use predictive analytics and more of like that artificial intelligence, that AI to tell us what we should go out and look for or what exceptions are about to happen in our operational processes. We're not quite there yet, though. This episode is brought to you by SPI Logistics, the premier freight agent and logistics network in North America. Are you currently building your freight brokerage's book of business and feel that your capabilities are being limited due to lack of support and access to adequate technology? At SPI Logistics, we have the technology, the systems, and the back office support to help you succeed. If you're looking to take control of your financial future and build your own business with the backing of one of the most successful logistics firms in North America, visit SPI3PL.com to learn more. And so when you are, so, so a big part of this is is getting these shippers and getting the these partners to actually share their proprietary data. How do you, I guess, convince them that this is the right move to make? Like we're, you know, privacy concerns, all that. How do you, I guess, ease some of those initial concerns to break these companies out of their, their different silos? Sure. So really, the we can make the most effective decision when we have access to the best data, Right. If the data is, excuse me, if the data is incomplete and missing information, those decisions become so much more difficult to make. And when you want to take your supply chain from basic to intermediate to advanced, you really start to need to think about what are the data components that you have in that basic? Is it just order level information or shipment level information, origin destination? Um, or does it go down to the SKU level detail and package size and um, you know, quantities and dimensions? And think about the breadth of all that data in your, your shipment, um, uh, your shipment history, right? As you go from basic to intermediate, you need to expand that scope because there's a lot more creative things you can do, like optimizing your freight um, and ways that make your supply chain more efficient with the, the more data that you have, right? And so I think from a, a customer perspective, yes, sharing data can be very uh, risky or scary sometimes if they're unprepared to do so. But at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves what question, one question, what value are we here to provide? Are we just executing a service from point A to point B? Are we here to provide value to your supply chain in ways outside of execution? And I think that's the big component that Redwood is really trying to play in. And I think that's the biggest area where we drive the most value for our customers. It's not just executing a load from Chicago to Atlanta, right? It's being able to understand all of the shipment data, understand the components that make that up 
your SKUs, your demand, your customers' buying habits, and then being able to analyze that data in a more productive fashion, thinking outside the box. So maybe I shouldn't be located in Chicago. Maybe I should be located in St. Louis or Georgia for that matter, right? And, and how do I get closer to demand or closer to manufacturing? Those are the analyses that we really can, you know, tick up for a customer and provide a lot more value, especially for smaller shippers that maybe don't have engineering teams and network tools that allow them to visualize their supply chain. That's where we can really take things to the next level. And so when you're, I, 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 this might sound like a dumb question, but for, for like, say I'm, I'm a shipper, what kind of data would I need to just, because I, I would think that I would have these big problems and I would say, just take it, just take the data. I don't care as long as you solve my problems. Right. But what kind of data am I, is it a, an API connection or am I, you know, exporting Google Sheets or what does that, I guess, data process look like of me as a shipper sharing it with Redwood? Yeah. And, and the answer is it can come in all different forms. I mean, yeah. I've had a customer ship us actual boxes of paperwork. <laughs> uh, I don't, don't recommend that, but <laughs> um, ideally we would want an integration with a customer. You know, if it's just more of a, hey, what can you do for me? And we're kind of in that like solution design phase. Typically, we're exchanging data via Excel or a CSV file that we can import into our systems for analysis. That makes but, sense. But, you know, once you're defining that solution and you're setting everything up for the customer, we absolutely want integrations, right? The last thing I want anybody to do is manually keying information into a system where we could potentially create errors that then impact our decisions or impact our solutions for our customers. So typically that integration is going to be with a customer, you know, and this is where that Redwood Connect tool makes it super easy. Do we do an API? Do we do a, you know, just a flat XML file that's coming over from our customers? And, and the data behind that is typically going to be like a order or a shipment level. So here's all my sales orders and the SKUs that I, uh, that I have on those, along with quantity and weight, and hopefully dimensions if they have it. Um, you know, some folks that have more of that, like less than truckload type of freight, the LTL or the parcel, you really need to get down into the dimension-based um, data of a shipment so that we can optimize it because we know LTL is not the most efficient mode to ship from point A to point B, right? You should be in a truckload, hopefully maybe sometimes intermodal. And in order to get there, that dimension of that shipment, you know, are you taking up one pallet space or are you taking up five pallet spaces, right? How can we optimize that to really aggregate your shipments and create solutions that minimize your costs within your supply chain? And so once I'm, you know, I, I've given, handed over my data, I got the connections all set up. As a shipper, what does my, I guess, ideal day-to-day -day look like with using like a Redwood Connect or, or LPAS? How does that function into my workday? Yeah, so great question. And I think it really depends on how you're integrating. So let's talk about maybe a, a customer that wants to do it themselves. They're not quite ready to outsource anything, Right. So in that instance, you're leveraging maybe Redwood Connect, maybe you're leveraging a TMS that we provide as well. You still want to execute in your own systems or in the TMS that we're providing. So in that instance, the day-to-day -day interaction with Redwood, once we've implemented and set everything up, is, is typically little or very a small amount because your, your technology should work day in and day out without issues, without bugs, and your integration should work day in and day out without issues. So you're kind of executing yourself in the system, leveraging the Redwood technology and SaaS products. 
Now, take that a step further. Let's say you want labor augmentation and you're looking to outsource some of your operational functions for transportation planning or customer service. Um, now, in that type of environment, you know, the interaction could be could vary a little bit, right? It depends on what kind of decisions you want Redwood making on your behalf. If we are executing transportation planning, we typically have a good SOP from a customer on what are the requirements you want us to plan to, how do you want us to act, uh, what are things you want us to do um, in order of a decision tree, XYZ, for example, so that we can be as efficient as possible and taking that work off your plate. Right. Sometimes, though, there's going to be problems we can't solve by ourselves. While we are trying to act in the best interest of the customer, we sometimes need their feedback. So occasionally you'll see us having some interaction with our customers on a daily basis to resolve exceptions. You know, where should I route this freight? It was returned. We need to know where to send it to so the carrier can get on its way. Stuff like that. This might also sound like another dumb question, but I'm just going to say it. So are these solutions, it sounds like these solutions are really good for a variety of roles within logistics, not just from the shipper perspective, but maybe other brokerages or or other brokers themselves, freight agents, I don't know, that kind of thing. Is that a safe assumption or is it really just, you know, that this is Redwood's IP and we we use our, you know, ecosystem in order to help benefit the customers? Yeah, no. So that's it interesting question because I think our history has always been with shippers. That's where we started, right? But the ecosystem itself is designed for anything. We actually recently signed on a new carrier and broker to our our arrangement. So like we're trying to grow that that ecosystem so that it's a plug and play for any any type of entity, whether you are a shipper, your carrier, your broker, your forwarder, you know, the more the merrier. And for us, it's not about competition, although some kind of view it that way, right? You're kind of partnering with a Another company that also maybe is a 3PL and how does that work? At the end of the day, we do have a separation of church and state on that stuff so that we're not sharing customer information across the board. Um, we keep it very uh, secure in that manner. But the platform is is good for a variety of different companies, especially in the logistics space. And that's where we want to apply. And so w- with all of these, you know, I guess it's sort of the, the ecosystem that, that you're developing, you're trying to, I guess, control what you can control. I mean, of course, like weather delays, you know, driver drop-offs, like things like that, that happen. But then what about the things that are just so, I guess, uh, like these big global impacts, you know, war with Ukraine, uh, you know, COVID lockdowns, things like that. Mm-hmm. How does software play a role in helping to navigate those bigger issues too? So great question. And it definitely has become more prevalent over the last couple of years. I think, you know, prior to the pandemic, I felt as though, and this again, kind of maybe my perception, right? I feel like shippers and even even 3PLs like ourselves, you know, we viewed technology as like a it's there's a need to have and a nice to have. And a lot of that visibility software is more of a, a nice to have versus a need to have. And over the last two to three years, that's really flipped on itself, right? And you've got more and more customers and even ourselves included saying, no, we need to have certain technology that provides visibility that can really help us understand what's happening in the marketplace today. And it's not maybe tracking software is a huge component of that uh, with recent developments that we've seen out in the tech space on getting ocean containers, where is it at, right? Everybody that had any sort of import business <laughs> over the last two years knows the pain of finding an ocean container and, and just waiting waiting for it while it sat on the water to get unloaded in LA and Long Beach. Uh, and, and so that brought a huge need. And I think that that 
that need created a lot of momentum in that tech space to make a platform for people that they could leverage. We've integrated that into our platform. Um, I think that there's going to be future opportunities too, maybe that just aren't quite defined yet because the problem hasn't um, exploded enough to create that demand that we need. Um, but that's the beauty of the, the supply chain technology space. Like it's always evolving. And I think that there's going to be, you know, these new companies that come into the market at some point with different opportunities for us to view things a little bit differently um, and integrate that into your systems to gain the value, the visibility, or, you know, the solve the problem that you have at hand. And, and that's a great segue in, in, into my next question, which is around, you know, sort of the automation and AI debates that, that are going on in this space. But what are some of, I, I'm a big believer in, in automation where it makes sense, AI where it makes sense for your business. What are some of the promising areas that you're seeing w- with automation and AI taking a hold in freight? Um, good question. So, you know, I've, I've got a little bit of a passion for um, some of the AI that we're looking at around traffic delays and weather delays and impacts to transportation. Um, Actually, I just met with my team on this uh, this past week. And what we're trying to do is really capture more of that proactive problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. So think about the summertime. You know typically a week in advance before the hurricane is going to hit somewhere, right? So how can we leverage that information knowing that it's going to change day over day until the hurricane actually, you know, comes ashore. But using that to either um, manage the exceptions, proactively going to our customer and saying, hey, this is about to happen. You have, you know, these 100 orders shipping to this area that is about to get a hurricane. Do you, how do you want us to proceed? Should we expedite them, get them there sooner? Should we hold back and not ship until afterwards? I think that's where you can take some of that predictive AI tools, create more of a risk relative to what the customer is shipping towards and be proactive on their behalf. Because for us, like what value are we providing that shipper? The hurricane's going to hit, the shipment's going to get stuck. And if we don't proactively add value in that situation, you know, we're no better than our competitors, right? And I think that that too, that, that that's a great insight into how like our artificial intelligence can actually be used in this space. And then I imagine from that, from that point, that's where a lot of the, the predetermined automations that you have set up within your different systems and software, that that's will really put, you know, sort of a lot of teams into overdrive and into, you know, they don't have to worry about data entry and that being wrong or, um, you know, a lot of unnecessary phone calls or just, you know, things that, that could be automated and instead that they can just focus on the job that or the task that is at hand. Is that, is that a safe assumption? Yeah, I think that's a good assumption. But I think one important part of that, just to add, is like if, if we can take a situation that can become predictive based off the data and we can use the artificial intelligence to identify the opportunity of the customer, they can then control the cost, right? Mm. With events like that, that are disruptive, whether it's a snowstorm or a hurricane, you're typically at the mercy of the market. So what happens to demand, what happens to capacity, it influxes your, or it influences your rate in transportation. If I have the ability to see that coming and I can make a decision to avoid it, or I can make a decision to do something faster to avoid it, that's a huge win. And then once I make my decision, I can leverage the automation tools that we have in-house through our software programs to act accordingly, right? 
Yeah, I, th- I think that makes a ton of sense because I was stuck in um, a, a, the Dallas snowstorm that happened, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, and I was trying to find a way to route myself around right. this disaster. So I, I could imagine that, you know, it, it, having a couple more days notice would have been hugely beneficial just for me personally. So if you're adding that additional component for folks who have their trucks scattered all over the country, then it could probably better position them in a way that, you know, is more beneficial to their end customers and also their business and and income streams. Sure. Yeah. And and so have you had a chance to play around with like a chat GPT or anything like that? Uh, We actually just had a a little bit of a conversation on that this morning. No, I have not. I'm very eager to see what we can do with it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm wondering, I've asked it a few freight questions and it's okay in in that regard, but I've, I've been wondering that the use cases I can see right now are like sales teams um, Mm -hmm. using it to build the, you know, their cold outreach or something like that. Um, But I was curious if, you know, anybody within the freight space has, has started using that. So if you're listening and and you have played around with it, I would love to hear from you because I I love those different examples. Examples. We, I think there's a couple of very basic scenarios we can leverage it with. Uh, my fear, though, with the customer specifically is, do you lose that human element? Mm. And, you know, we very much at Redwood, right? We're a tech-enabled company, but we're human-led, right? So how do you ensure that you have an interaction with somebody that is a human, you know, kind of approach, if you will, mm. Um, even if it may be automated on the back end with AI or, or some other tool, right? Do you wish there was a central place to pull in all of your social media posts, recruit employees, and give potential customers a glimpse into how you operate your business? Well, all of this should already be on your website, but too often we hand that responsibility of building our online home off to a cousin, a neighbor's kid down the street, or a stranger across the world. Digital Dispatch believes in building a better website at a fraction of the cost that those big-time marketing agencies would charge. Because we've spent years on those digital front lines, our experienced team focuses on the modern web technologies to bring in all of the places you're already active online, show off those customer success stories, and measure the ROI of it all in one place. With managed website plans starting at $90 a month, head on over to digitaldispatch.io to see how we can build your digital ecosystem on a strong foundation. We've got explainer videos right on the website and the ability to book a demo immediately. Find it all over at digitaldispatch.io. Oh, well, I was going to say with a lot of that aspect too, I think it's very much like psychological where mm-hmm. y- you you have to manage not only the, the aspect of introducing and onboarding with these new technology sets, but it's also the psychological aspect of, is this robot or this AI going to take my job? Have you guys had to, I guess, maybe formalize any kind of training around that, that no, th- use this as a tool <laughs> in your arsenal, it's not going to take your job? No, uh, n- not yet. And and fortunately for us, you know, we've been exploring and leveraging RPA within our business for the probably the last year or two. And the team has welcomed it with open arms because we've really started attacking that with 
what are basic administrative functions that you're tired of doing every day? <laughs> let's use RPA for that. And let's start yes. building a base to automate some of the stuff that becomes monotonous, mm -hmm. the stuff that is not as exciting to work on every single day. So uh, no, we have not had to uh, address that quite yet. I think everybody's pretty on board with getting the, uh, the paperwork off their desk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I imagine that that's maybe a role that would fully embrace it. But it was interesting. I was listening to um, uh, Six River Systems, which is like a robotics company company for warehouse workers, and they include a key piece in their training on developing that psychological relationship between the robot and the warehouse worker. And I thought that that was super interesting, because mm. the warehouse worker naturally is looking at that robot like it's going to take their job when it's like, no, it's going to help you do your job much more quickly. So you don't have to lift all of these heavy things and work around the, the warehouse. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. And so uh, as we kind of, you know, sort of round out this discussion, you know, uh, when this episode is going to air, it's going to be Women's History Month. And so I was curious, you know, for being a woman in this space, um, do you have any, I guess, sort of, um, I guess, the, the thought process around or uh, the, the theory around like women growing within logistics and how do we make more roles for them from an entry level to executive level? We've seen some improvement in this space, but I, I'm curious as, as to what your, your perception on it, on how do we get more women to work within the logistics industry? Yeah, great question. So um, always I've been a proponent of the women in logistics. I mean, when I first started, I think the team I was on there, I'm the only woman <laughs> that has changed dramatically. We're, we're definitely not in that same place anymore. And it's exciting to see more younger women join the, the supply chain industry. Look, I, you know, how do we make it happen? Honestly, I don't know that I have the secret answer to that, but I do think that we've, we've come a long way with the, you know, the nonprofit organizations and the, not necessarily the networking, but it's like the group um, kind of events that have been organized over the last couple of years. A lot of people are doing women in logistics. I think it's a great component of that. But what also would be great is the professional development, right? Not everybody has a time to go back to school or to spend their um, evenings learning how to professionally develop certain areas, right? We have got kids, we've got pets, we've got significant others, and sometimes we're on the road traveling, right? But I think that there's these organizations that are really helpful in, in creating content, and um, whether it's webinars or in-person events that you can attend that help kind of broaden your skill set in the area. Um, maybe you're not uh, big into inventory and SNOP planning, and so there, there's ways for you to network with folks via those mediums and those organizations, and expand your network of women in logistics, which is always a good thing. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. And then I would also say, you know, we only get better when we give back. So the more we can partner with universities and colleges across the country to really develop those future women in logistics, huge fan there too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think high school and, and colleges are, are really the missed opportunity for for a lot of just the, the different segments within logistics of just letting women know like how fascinating this industry really is. And and it's not just uh, you know that I I you know the big trucks that you see on the highway. It's much more intricate than that. And and with with your role at Redwood, you you've been there for about what, I think eight years now is what I was reading on on LinkedIn and and sort of the the cultural world that we live in where folks are are switching jobs you know every one maybe two years what personally has kept you at redwood for for that length of time great question um you know when i started um 
eight years ago. <laughs> Our team, I think not Redwood as a whole, but the team that I was working on was roughly about 20 employees. So it was super small and we were growing like crazy and it gave me the opportunity to really be more creative in previous roles, I felt like I was kind of stifled with, uh, here's the process. You have to follow the process the whole way. Don't step outside the process. Uh, but at Redwood, you know, I think we've got a great leadership team, but we also give people the opportunity to bring up ideas, uh, whether it's continuous improvement or other solutions that can help better the company. And I think that ideation, fostering that that uh, creativity from people is is huge. It's it's untapped, and I love the fact that we can can continue to do that with our team, and we encourage it, it moving forward. I mean, we're never going to be better unless we realize that everybody at the table has uh, has an opinion, has an idea, and if we can come together and listen and understand those ideas, and it makes us better, that's the great thing. Heck yeah, well said. And so, w- with all that being said, what do what's coming in the pipeline uh, down the road for Redwood in this year and the coming years? What can folks expect? Um, ooh, that one's a tough one. Uh, you <laughs> Anything know? you can publicly release, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, you know, we're definitely still very active in the M and A market, and hopefully, there'll be a couple of those this year. Um, obviously, that's dependent on a lot of things, but um, look. I think at the end of the day, we've got a great company. We're growing, we're expanding. We want to continue to grow and expand. We also want to continue to look at you know, additional technology capabilities that we don't have today. Um, we want to look at additional functionality or services that we don't have today. You know, a couple of years ago, we expanded in, we expanded in that parcel market. So we're still kind of getting our feet wet there. We're looking to grow that. Um, I think what might be next for us is other modes of transportation and or doubling down more on our SaaS partnerships, because I think that ecosystem really has some uh, some legs underneath it. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, where can folks, I guess, follow more of your work, you know, see what's coming down the pipeline for, for Redwood, all that good stuff. Yeah, so you're happy to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, Otherwise, our redwoodlogistics.com website has all of our updates and you can subscribe to our newsletter to get any of our latest hits. That's awesome. And I will link to it in the show notes just to make it easy for folks. Um, But Christina, thank you so much for your time. This was a great discussion, especially around the the, the AI and and the chat GPT stuff. I, I find that stuff fascinating. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight, telling the stories behind how your favorite stuff and people get from point A to B. If you liked this episode, do me a favor and sign up for our newsletter. I know what you're probably thinking, oh God, another newsletter. But it's the easiest way to stay updated when new episodes are released. Plus, we drop a lot of gems in that email to help the one-person marketing team and folks like yourself who are probably wearing a lot of hats at work in order to help you navigate this digital world a little bit easier. You can find that email sign-up link along with our socials and past episodes over at everythingislogistics.com. And until next time, I'm Blythe and go Jags. Go Jags.